for some I, reason. I was uh, it was at the, the I'll just start. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds from the Seventies with Gary and Rob, sometimes known as Shuggy Two Shits. Coming to you from the Are We Supposed to Move Here Winchester Building in the downtown Metropolis area. Now, last week, do you remember last week, Rob? I remember bits of last week. Yes, yeah, so I. <laughs> I was uh, sounding off about how great our listeners were. Do you remember that? About how they had such varied musical tastes and and are so hip and yeah, yet not hip. I kind of have vague memories of that because we were talking about uh, stuff. Well, I could have been wrong. <laughs> oh. <laughs> because uh, these same listeners have decided in our listeners' Pick the Album review series, which, by the way, is hard to say, and thank God is the last one. <laughs> they decided to pick, well, they picked a lot of Grateful Dead albums, like a, like quite a few of them, just, just because <laughs> I have stated how much I dislike, not hate, but dislike the Grateful Dead. So because of this, uh, what do you call, <laughs> rush of, of ballots for the Grateful Dead, we are doing a Grateful Dead album today in our listener pick. We are reviewing their 1973 album, Wake of the Flood, or Wake Me Before the Album is <laughs> over. <laughs> I hope you listeners enjoy this show as much as I'm enjoying it. <laughs> uh, and it's funny because Awake, which is kind of a version of Wake, and grateful dead are rarely used in the same sense <laughs> and uh and this is a <laughs> this is a collective pick because there were a few listeners like i said who just picked the grateful dead they didn't pick an album so i'm i'm just gonna put them all together as one big listener and i'm gonna i'm gonna label this person and call him obtuse as les Desmond would say <laughs> So the listener who picked this album is obtuse. But not adult-minded. <laughs> <laughs> so again, this week, I have to ask Rob, this seems to be an ongoing question every week, how was the cleaning of your mom's garage? Did it go well with the help of your sisters? I think it did. Uh, Could you please elaborate? No. Because I have no details. <laughs> well, you, 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 did you? Uh, there was a third weekend uh, it was scheduled to. Uh, you were AWOL. Yeah, I kind of, uh, I thought, uh, you know, the weather, it's inclement. And uh, they're probably not going to want to do anything in inclement weather. So they got to wait for a good day. But by the time the good days roll around, I couldn't make it. Isn't that what everybody says in retrospect of their lives? Yeah. Just when the good days come around. I couldn't make it. Doggone it, I had to do other stuff. Didn't you sleep that day, you said? There was a bit of sleeping going on. There was a little uh, dancing and celebrating going on. Because you didn't have to go over there? There was uh, definitely no phone turning on going on. Phone turning on going on, yeah. <laughs> Good English. Um, well, that's that's kind so, of an interesting story. It's, so. it's not as interesting as the past couple of weeks where you actually helped and your sisters didn't. <laughs> 
Well, you know, I kind of leave it to uh, them to organize things. I'm more of a doer than a thinker. And uh, I didn't think of you as either, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I get some doing done from time to time. And, and the the, um, the thinky part. No, I leave the, that up for the ironic part is just before the show today on the internet we talked to your brother Murray about. We that. talked to Murray. And we talked to Johnny John Shaw. But uh, Murray, he had uh, insights. Yeah. Murray Murray had insight when, when I asked him <laughs> if he when, was coming up heard... to the city soon. He said, why would I? <laughs> <laughs> Hence, the hens are there, so why would I want to come to the city? So He's not a fool for this city. No, he's not. Bobcat was last week, by the way, and we liked the album. Uh, just in case you missed last week's episode, we gave it thumbs up. Yeah, so I wasn't around. So now we have time. This is, you know, what? I'm going to tell everybody. I'm going to tell everybody right from the start that I had a segment, the same segment I was going to do last week. But we didn't have enough time. But I have so many lovely Grateful Dead stories <laughs> that I we're eliminating the segment again till next week. <laughs> so I we're devoting almost the whole show to the Grateful Dead. Okay, because I can't get enough of telling stories about the great book. I think we'll probably like uh, get to talking, and that'll uh, eat up 10, 15 minutes of show, and uh, it'll go over. That's my prediction. But we do have a segment first. Odds and ends. Odds and ends. Lost time is not found again. See, I wanted you to do that because then it would be cool. I, I would go like odds and ends, and then you'd go, lost time is not found again. I always oh, think yes. of it too late. <laughs> Surprise. And this week, I on am Odds and Ends, we are investigating a claim that somebody, who I will not name, told me about John Prine recording the worst song ever written, I Just Called to Say I Love It. <laughs> and I said... You were so shocked, you even um, uh, I'm gonna called tell you what happened, Rob. I'm going to tell you what happened. I said to this person... Bullshit right to their face <laughs> about this terrible and festering ooze of a claim. He meant to say you're a big fibber. Especially, especially <laughs> coming so soon after the truly sad recent death of John Prime. I thought this what was a like crummy thing to say. spitting on his grave is what I felt it was like. And, you wanted to uh, slap him, or worse. I don't know. I don't know what that means. So <laughs> I, I just got filled this, with rage. I just got this bad uh, vi image in my head. That what if it's true? Worse, and it was like more like slapping his bum, and I didn't like that. Yeah. So not trusting Rob as I never do, or our incompetent producer Uptown Mike. No, Mike. To huh. find out the truth, I decided myself to get to the bottom of this, and after a week. A very little sleep and many dead ends. Many dead ends, Rob. I had come here today with the answer. Rob, are you ready for the answer? Can you give me a little bit of a drum roll here? It's a slow drum roll. It's a bad drum roll. It's, it's true. Aye. In 1918, John Prine recorded and released the song as a Spotify single. Meaning, you should, you should say that. Meaning, I have to correct you on the one point. I don't think it was done in 1918. Yeah, it was. Oh, did I say 1918? You said 1918. Oh, we should edit that out. But we won't. 2018. <laughs> there we go. Sorry, 2018, just two years I was, ago. I was alive then. 
Uh, I forgot where I was now. You interrupted me. It was just when I was on Spotify. And, and, uh, yeah, and he recorded the song for Spotify as a one-off song just for Spotify listeners, right? Just, just not commercially available. Just, just to hear when you're on Spotify. And he recorded the song with the help of the Secret Sisters on vocals. Now, seeing as this was released after his last album, Tree of Forgiveness, unfortunately, no. I'm pretty sure this is no. the last recorded song by John Prine. How about those apples, my friend? Wow. Always do your best because you never know when the Grim Reaper is coming for you. I'm going to tell you something. If okay. somebody came up to me in like 1987 <laughs> and said to me, you know what? You're going to have a long career in music, Gary. And I can't tell you anything about it. But the one thing I can tell you <laughs> is the last song you will record before you die is I just called to say I love you. And I will say the Stevie Wonder song. And he'll say, yes. And I'll say, where did my life go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get a mental picture of you with a gun to your head. <laughs> I'll, end, I'll end my career now. I don't know why. I'm doing this in Vegas or something. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand doing it in Vegas when your legs give out. But <laughs> this is, but you know what? We listen to it. The version is pretty darn good. <laughs> it is pretty darn good. Now, uh, Rob, have you listened to it? No, I have not. Even though I sent you a message to listen to it? <clears throat> I uh, got the message and uh, I read the part about that you'd heard it. But then I uh, was in such shock and disbelief, I think I must have missed the rest of it. Well, you know what we're going to do? I'm going to give Rob time. We got next week off. I'm going to listen to it. And Rob's going to give us, when we come back on our next episode, Rob's going to tell us what he thinks of it. Homework. Uh, and then we will talk about it more at that time. Homework. It's like four minutes. <laughs> so um, I'll just tell you, it's pretty darn good. It's kind of unfair because Rob knows how I feel about it now. But uh, when, you th when you listen to it, Rob, think of the Stevie Wonder version, which is the worst single ever released in the history of music. And... Uh, yeah, it's yeah, okay. I'm that not was, gonna I'm not gonna actually, persuade him. I just want him to listen to it. I think it's probably one of the first Stevie Wonder songs I uh, I heard and it uh, kind of uh steered me away from Stevie Wonder for a very long time. Which is sad because he is like one of the most pivotal artists along with like Elton John of nineteen seventies music. I tell you, when I started listening to music, all you heard was Stevie Wonder. And every year when the Grammys came on They'd always say, oh, Stevie Wonder won the Grammy album of the year for this. Every year. Like, he, you don't realize it now because he faded so much in the middle of the 80s, beginning of the 80s, the middle of the 80s until now. And he's recorded very little since then, but he dominated. Yeah. We will talk about this more when we do a Stevie Wonder album. I was that one but time. people do not, I don't think, understand how much he dominated radio and public consciousness in the 70s. Like, he was just as popular as Elton John, if not even more popular. So anyways, that's why the, 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 the whole I just called to say I love you thing is so sad to me. <laughs> so sad. I've always held the belief that uh, a really good band can uh, make even a bad song sound good. And this might prove it. I told you that once. <clears throat> you told me that? Yeah, when we, we got... I thought we I got, told you that. We got sent 
this is a long time. We've got sent three songs from a record company to do. I don't even think Rob remembers it. I hardly remember it. And they said that they wanted us to rearrange it. And they were terrible songs. <laughs> and I said to the guys who did not want to do it at all, like at all, it's like didn't idea. even want to hear me speak about it. I said, we're going to do it because if we do it good, we can get a record contract. So they put a half out. We did it on a little four-track recorder. It sounded terrible because we wanted it to sound rough and terrible because we had no but i rearranged the songs and i always stand by that a, a good band can make any song sound at least okay yeah yeah and we did we took three really crappy <clears throat> poppy airy 1980s songs and we turned them time that was a long time ago <laughs> so long that even i hardly remember it and i remember because i was instigating everything i even hardly remember that i do remember the total ambivalence i've never had in all the, our 30 years together as a band that was the time i never had such resistance it was amazing the amount of resistance i had i said all we got to do is i'll do the arranging all you got to do is play on the new arrangement. And everybody was like, but they suck. I don't want to <laughs> do it. I really don't want to do it. And I said, just this once for me, do this. And it was such a bad experience. that I think we kind of put it out of our minds yeah. <laughs> after it was done. Anyways, they never got back to us because we rearranged it in a way that was a little too moody for them. They had light pop songs and we brought it down into minor keys. And I don't think they <laughs> Now, the majority of our show today is going to be about one of the greatest bands of all time. No, not Led Zeppelin, but the Grateful Dead. And as we lead up to the review of their 1973 album, Wake of the Flood, again, a misleading title because it has wake in it, and you should not put wake or a wake, as I said, <laughs> in any Grateful Dead sentence. Is that... <laughs> Rob's enjoying this, but I know that there's people out there who are saying you bastard why are you such a <laughs> bastard i love this band and i understand uh you know what just because i don't like the grateful dance music or a lot of it doesn't mean that they're not a great band or and they're not and one of the best bands a matter, ever yeah, it's, a, it's a matter of taste yeah. and uh, even the grateful dead have said that jerry garcia has said that himself you know i have respect for the people who hate us there are people that either love us to death literally or there are people that can't stand us and that's just the way this band is and i've never yeah. witnessed a band that that developed such emotions such varied emotions either way i really have they're not a middle of the road band never middle ground <laughs> never and uh i i mentioned this before i was looking through before the show i was looking through our our big blue book of episodes to try and find out when i had mentioned this but i rem did mention on one of our episodes quite a long time ago that I have actually purchased because I was I always try to like the Grateful Dead because I always try you get to that understand many them. other people who like them you got you there's something there I can't why do I dislike them so much I always <laughs> try to find out I really do try and find out as much as I can about the band or try and find listen to as much as I can try and figure out what has happened that you know, they just, I don't get it. I've kind of figured out that either some people don't get it or they, or they do. But I, last year I ordered the four hour movie 
What a Long Strange Trip, which is the biography of the Grateful Dead, which is a fantastic movie. Even if you really hate the Grateful Dead, you cannot dislike this movie because it's really good. And yeah, it's four hours long, about the length of a Grateful Dead song. (laughs) (laughs) And Sorry. That was an improv, and it was a good one. Um, What The thing that when I was growing up was that the Grateful Dead were like a family. They had people working for them that were fans and that they had their shit together. And when I watched the documentary that was sanctioned by the members of the Grateful Dead, that was not the case. That was, it was actually very sad. The whole story of the Grateful Dead as an interpersonal relationship, as a as what you think they are, is a very sad story. Like a bunch of guys who love each other and work well together. See, they didn't <laughs> talk. That's one of the things that they didn't talk like that. They had this manly thing, and you would think, being hippies, that they weren't like that. But oh, we don't express our emotions, you know. And well, if yeah. somebody's in trouble, we don't talk about it. Exactly. I did. We all know uh, talking about your emotions for a man makes you gay. That's what they kind of thought yeah. back then. And they they were very misogynistic. They were very, like, the women who worked for them uh, could only get up on a certain level because they looked at, like, it was really fucked up, their whole system. They were a little old school. And everybody thought that that's so great that they started their own uh, the record, record company and, and whole thing where they got all their deadhead friends to work on it. But it soon became mostly jerry garcia got stuck in a band that he really didn't want to be in because he had all these people he didn't want their jobs to be lost and if if jerry garcia really wanted to be happy i don't should reveal everything about the documentary you should watch it but it was mostly like like and jerry who seemed so together was not he was very you know he as everyone knows now which we didn't know then. He was very much a heroin addict, almost throughout the 70s until his death. And uh, it was just sad because he wanted to leave many times and do other things, and he just couldn't because they had this organization of employees they had to pay for, and the business became more important than the music. And and the enthusiasm he had for playing the guitar diminished, and you can tell by you know, the concerts, which years that he just didn't care. And then, oh, he got revitalized for another year and started playing great solos. And it's really a very sad story and completely opposite of what you think the family of the Grateful Dead is like. Anyways, fascinating. I, I really reckon, even though it's four hours long, listen, if you put on three Grateful Dead songs, that's four hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially if they're, they're on live albums. <laughs> that's what I mean, a live, they're, they're live versions. Um, I also wanted to point out that the first time I heard the Grateful Dead, I got a lot of Grateful Dead stories. They're mostly <laughs> funny. I don't mean to be, but that's just the experiences that I've had. My brother brought home three albums one weekend. And I think it was in 1978, and I was just a lad. I was very small, but I was already, in, by 1978, trying to absorb everything. And he brought home two Grateful Dead records on a Yes record. He brought home the new Yes record, Tormato, oh, yeah. which I eventually would love. I shouldn't say that because we might review it, <laughs> and that would give it away. But he brought. We, I was one of the few people, like Rob, who actually liked Tormato. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. most Yes fans hate it. 
and he That's brought weird. that home. And yeah, I know. And he and he brought home two Grateful Dead records, which was very strange because he was getting into punk. And but he used to buy anything that was starting to be new or was was in the news or something. For some reason, the Grateful Dead were in the news in 1970. I don't know for what. But he brought home uh, their new album, Terrapin Station, at the time. And he brought home American Beauty. And I always listened to everything my brother brought home. Everything. And more than once. <laughs> because I I was so young and wanted to just and absorb good, music. And good it was, source of new music. Yeah. yeah, and I just wanted to absorb it all and, and bring it all in. And didn't like Terrapin Station. I, I just remember it, it's, you know, and I liked American Beauty a little bit. But I even, the, it's funny, Rob. It's almost when you know that what you're meant to be, because even at like that young age, even not even a teenager yet, I knew the things I didn't like about it. And I knew the things that I thought were wrong about it. I did. I swear to God, I did. I listened to American Beauty, which I have grown to love, actually. American Beauty is a, is an excellent album. But at the time, I said, man, these vocals are weak. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, the yeah. feelings don't change as you go through life. Uh, you find better ways to express it with words. That's all. It is yeah, it's exactly. All. But I knew, like I knew, like a lot of people maybe don't have those types of, uh, maybe they do and they don't express them. But I just knew that what I didn't like about the Grateful Dead was that I didn't think they had a vocalist. And I've always said that. A great, Jerry Garcia is great on some songs and he's not adequate on other songs. And Bob Weir's voice I've never liked. And the best singer to me was Pigpen, that he died in like 1973 and he was only allowed like a song and album. And so they never really had a, and I knew that right from the start. I said, oh, and I didn't like the production. I thought the drums sounded too weak. It wasn't high enough in the mix, which is what I'm going to talk about on the album today, which is funny. I was really right as a kid. Like, I think if you have an inclination about music, um, uh, you can have it even early and you can know. And some people who just listen for music for entertainment, they're going like, oh, I like this, I can dance to it. But then there are some people like me and Rob who can say, I know what's wrong with this record as far as my personal taste yeah. is concerned. You know, and I knew that right away. Anyways, you know, I kind of, I also wanted to touch on that era in 1978. Like right now, the Grateful Dead are huge. They're one of the biggest bands in the history of music. There is no doubt about it. The Grateful Dead organization, the Deadheads, which everybody in the world knows about. You go to yeah. India, they know about the Deadheads. Yeah. That wasn't the way it was in 1978. The, the Grateful Dead were very much a cult band. Yeah. And it's funny to think of them that way because now everybody, my mom knows who the Grateful Dead is. <laughs> I first heard on the TV, uh, the TV show, The Facts of Life, there was a character on there who was a Deadhead. And I'm like... Oh, a Grateful Dead fan. Dead. That's where I figure, yeah. Yeah, that's where you first heard it. Yeah. <clears throat> that was but like in 1978, the, the, the common conception, this is true, was that they didn't sell records, which only they only sold records to Deadheads, which is true. <laughs> they didn't get a new audience. And the only people that saw them in concert were Deadheads or Deadheads who brought along people so that they could make them Deadheads to concerts. <laughs> that is a cult band. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, you must they observe were not, our leaders. They were not part of the what you'd call the mainstream. Like if they released an album, it wasn't that big a deal because you knew, well, the Grateful Dead, they kind of have their own fans. And I, you know, it wasn't until 
first of all, constant Turing in the 80s, and it wasn't, of course, until Touch of Grey. Touch of Grey was the one that... Uh... Which exploded the band and the album that it came from, which had a bunch of singles on it, that they became the band we know now as one of the biggest bands of all time. But you got to understand, for yeah. like 20 years, this I didn't was just hear a cult them. band. Yeah. I didn't hear them in the you 70s did, or 80s. You didn't hear them on the radio except for like Casey Jones or stuff like that. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, the two you'd hits. Yeah, you hear like Truckin' and Casey Jones. and Casey Jones. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't hear nothing. Yeah. And and they wouldn't talk about them on the radio. The Grateful Dead were like, they got their own fans, man. Like, that's what the DJs were They were say. a totally separate stream. <laughs> they were totally separate. It's like they had their own category. You know, there was punk rock and there was new wave and there was grateful dead music <laughs> you know <laughs> and it was really like that and i just wanted to remind people if if they if if you didn't live through that or you think that the grateful if you didn't live through that you think that the grateful dead were always this huge band that everybody like with a household name they were not i swear to god when i put those first records on i were my impression, even at that age in 1978, when my brother brought those albums home, was this is a really hippie band, as they still are in yeah. in, in everybody's mind. That's but I, I mean, a really hippie band hippie that sounds. nobody other than Deadheads listened to. That was even my conception in my limited amount of knowledge of music I had at that time, which was everybody else's. And then, yeah. of course, it grew and grew and grew and blah, blah, blah. The one other story I want to tell, <laughs> and this is a good story. There's one other story I want to tell before we review the album, is that I was listening when they had this show, oh, God, called the Grateful Dead Hour on the radio. Now, the Grateful Dead Hour has been on the radio every week since 1988. They have, I looked it up this week, they have over 1600 shows oh. and for a while in the wow. at the beginning of the 90s one of our radio stations here had the grateful dead hour on and what the grateful dead hour is is, is one of the deadhead people who who's in charge of their archives you know would just program the day full of grateful dead music man for like an hour and talk about them and then there'd be interviews with members of the dead and shit like that you know like like you like you would expect for any hour up with the band so i just remember one morning it was it was on sunday morning at like nine o'clock nine o'clock to ten o'clock the grateful dead hour on one of our radio stations will i not name because i haven't listened to them since uh <laughs> is that and you know it's the weekend it's sunday it's a day to relax you don't have to go to work oh i'm so happy and i would always have my clock radio set to this radio station and it would kind of wake me, gently wake me up, uh, you know, at around 9.15 on a Sunday morning. So I would not be up too early, but I wouldn't, you know, I'd get to sleep in a little bit. So what the fuck wakes me up? <laughs> it's this fucking noise. I swear to God, people, it's noise. It's like space music. It's like, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to try and get to sleep because this is a nightmare. But, and then I get, and this goes on for like, oh, God, 10 minutes. And I'm going, what the hell is this? This is terrible. And then it goes into drums. Just drums. Like, who, who wants to hear drums on a Sunday morning at like 9.40 a.m.? Like, You'd have to have your third cup of coffee by then. So. Oh, yeah. 
you'd have to have your third shot of heroin. There. <laughs> so I couldn't believe this. And then the guy comes on after it's over and said, you know, man, that was like, uh, that was space and drums from the March 3rd, 1977 concert by the dead. That was incredibly 25 minutes long. We played all of it today because we knew you'd want to hear it. <laughs> and I'm going, oh my God, people listen to that? <laughs> <laughs> people listen to that for enjoyment i was trying to find a station so quick to turn off and i was so i was so tired that i couldn't and i was like that, that's the that's that's i hate to be cruel this is but so offending me i must find out who does it this is like torture you would do with vietnam veterans in in, in hanoi you know <laughs> i'm sorry deadheads but to me at the time, it was. It was like, okay, I'll talk. I'm dropping bombs on Hanoi because I love it. You know, like, <laughs> oh, God. So that was my first and last experience with the Grateful Dead Hour. And I can't believe that 10, 20, 30, 30 years on, there's, it's still on every week. People, oh, God. There must be people who enjoy it. <sighs> Deadheads? Deadheads. That's what everybody, everybody goes. You know who enjoys that? Day? Oh yeah. Deadheads. <laughs> so this week, that's all my stories. I have one more, but I'm not going to tell it. Um, I got none. I just started hearing them on the radio, and uh... oh, you do have a story because I, I well, I I've told the story before, but the story when I when the first Grateful Dead record, other than the ones that my brother had. Was I bored? Oh, I bored your greatest that double history. collection. Yeah, my that one of my all. favorite stories of all time is <laughs> uh, I bored after practice one uh, evening in the late '80s. I bored uh, Rob's copy of The Grateful Dead. What yeah. a long, strange trip it's been. A truck record on it. greatest. Didn't have Casey set. Jones. That bugged me a bit. Yeah, it was a great greatest hits album without greatest hits. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it was a compilation album. Maybe it wasn't greatest hits, but it was a compilation album. Well, I'm telling you, it's still to this day the only album that I've listened to that I actually did not finish listening to it because I <laughs> I refuse to do this to myself anymore. I did. I act, and I've I never repeated done this same experiment for years with the same result. <laughs> Am I mental? <laughs> never finished it. Only record that I actually physically couldn't finish. I gave it back to Rob, and I said the same thing. I said, this is the only record I couldn't finish listening to. And I still, to this day, have not finished listening to the record and probably never will. But uh, that's – that's, that's, so, Rob, Rob you that had – that, uh, that, uh, That's the record with the uh, that song I fell in love with and had to play. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. Brown-Eyed Women. Yeah, I did have that. Never... I don't think I got that part of the <laughs> yeah that one started off the second side <laughs> um, yeah so actually rob uh, had more had more grateful dead i didn't have any grateful dead. i just had the ones that my brother bought i didn't have any grateful dead. so he actually had more grateful dead records than i did one <laughs> and i cursed him for lending me that one um so that that's that see rob has a story about the grateful dead so there you go he said he had none he's got one but they weren't played on the radio when you started listening, were they? They weren't played on the radio at all. No. I'd heard Truck and that was about it. I think I'd heard Casey Jones and years later connected. Okay, that's the Grateful Dead. But uh, those are the only two songs I've ever heard with radio play. But uh, I have to say, let me just say band this. band used to play Ripple. 
I'm going to say never this. heard yeah, it, about but Ripple, we played it. One of my, you know, one of my favorite songs ever with one of my favorite lines ever is Ripple. Like you got to give due where due is concerned. And Ripple is a brilliantly written song. It's another case of a vocal by Jerry Garcia fitting the song perfectly, which doesn't happen all the time because he just doesn't have a strong voice. It's not his fault. One of the comments I wrote down, he sings at the edge of whispering. Yes. And the edge of whispering, I'm saving that for an album title in the future. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I know what you mean. Because there's there's a Neil Young where he has a high voice and a, a, a weak voice. As far as the he, timber, but yeah. it's strong. He bends strong. his notes a little right. more than uh, other he can people. like yell and and stuff with his voice. Where you know that Jerry Garcia can't yell, like it's a very weak, soft voice. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when we come to this album, this is interesting because there's two. There's as far as I'm concerned, if you really there are separate years or divisions of Grateful Dead, um, but if you really want. To make it very simple, for me, there's the years 1966 to 1970, beginning of 1973, those are the Pigpen years. That's when Pigpen actually led the band in 1966 and sang most of the songs, and Pigpen was Ron McKernan. He was the organist and vocalist, and he had his big blues upbringing. He loved blues records and soul records and R&B. And the band were very influenced by him at the beginning. And then by the time they started writing songs, like Jerry Garcia started writing songs with Robert Hunter and Bob Weir started writing songs, Pigpen's influence started to diminish and diminish and diminish. And unfortunately, well, Pigpen had what they call alcoholism. Back then, they just called it a drinking problem. And the, and according to the documentary, the, the band wasn't very sympathetic to it. Um, no, he was the one uh, non-drug user in the band. And he didn't take drugs. He did not take drugs. Maybe a little weed, but he didn't take any of the hallucinatic drugs yeah. that the band took. So he was already kind of an outsider for that. And uh, even though Pigpen was much loved, he was a very, very good singer. And uh, uh, even though he was kind of had this biker image and was really tough and and uh and everything he was a really warm-hearted guy as i found out in the documentary very sweet-hearted guy but unfortunately he uh he drank himself to death he died of cirrhosis of the liver which is how our buddy tom died it's a terrible way to die and um then the second stage came in the 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 post yeah which is the band from 73 basically until they ended which is more of a jazz-influenced kind of music. And the first part of it, they were with Warner Brothers? Yes. Okay. And then and then from 73, when Pigpen <clears throat> died, they released they released an album called The History of the Dead, Volume 1, Bear's Choice, which uh, ended their contract with Warner Brothers. And it was mostly a, a homage to Pigpen, because he had just died. And most of the songs had him singing, or him known as, as singing. Uh, it was a live album. And... So they got out of their contract with Warner Brothers. They got themselves a new piano player, uh, Keith Godchow, who played the keyboards, and his wife did background vocals. It was really a rebirth of the band from the Pigpen era to the... They didn't just change. They changed big time. They changed. They had their own record company, Grateful Dead Records, starting with Way to the Flood. They had new members. They had uh, a whole new direction for music, which was much more 
light instead of blues orientated. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, everything really changed. And it's funny, I've always wondered because I love, I really do love their two acoustic country rock Americana albums, whatever you want to call it, uh, Working Man's Dead and American Beauty. And yet they only did those two albums and they left that behind. And I never understood because they <laughs> that were was just amazing a quick experiment. Albums. And then, uh, yeah. Well, actually, it wasn't quick. Two albums. Two albums in one year. Direction. Two albums in one year in the span of months, and then they never really went back to that. And I always thought, uh, what could have been as far as my involvement with the dead would have been concerned? Because they had beautiful harmonies for a band that collect like singularly couldn't sing very well, collectively actually sang beautiful <laughs> was really strange. Um anyways, that's and that's one of the reasons and I told Rob I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick like I told Rob a long time ago, I said, if I pick a Grateful Dead record, I'm not going to pick American Read and Working Man's Dead because everybody loves those records. That's, that's, a, that's a no-brainer to pick. Maybe pick an album like Wake of the Flood. <laughs> <laughs> so Wake of the Flood was the first album since Pig Pen died, and they had a new keyboard player with Keith Gottschow. And, and uh, so that brings us up to date to 1973. And um, it's an interesting album. I I, uh, I wish Rob could review this first. Um, <laughs> I really I listened to it the first time. I th I have listened to this before. I remember many many years ago and didn't like it as usual with almost all Grateful Dead albums. I don't like it on first listen. I'm actually a pretty big. I'm actually a a fan of the. I'll admit I'm a fan of the Grateful Dead during the Pigpen era, and I haven't liked almost anything that they've done post Pigpen. I really like. I really do actually like the Pigpen era. Um, I'll admit, like, not everything that dead do is bad. Uh, you got to give them, even if you hate them, you, you can't make music for 30 years and have all the yeah, music. All <laughs> yeah. Even if your taste isn't that way. So anyways, um, I don't know. I didn't like this album in the first list. Um, there was very little I liked. But... I knew with the Grateful Dead, I had to listen to this album a few times, which is tough. Yeah, yeah. It's not an easy task. It's a Captain and Tennille task, as I always call it. I, I, I stopped uh, after the first side on the first listen. I said, you know, that's a good start and end for a side. I got to stop now. I'm going to come back to the second side later. <laughs> for some strange reason. And I, no, it was just, it was like, that felt like where a side should end and I should be flipping the record. I, I, I can't go on no more. I had to take a break. Yeah. I just thought, <laughs> well, it wasn't because it was too long. It was because uh, I, I just felt like, okay, that's an end of a side. <laughs> the side started, the side had stuff, and the side ended. And the side ended just like that. <laughs> we'll go song by song here because there aren't many songs on, on the album. There's only seven songs. And uh, um, I'm going to start with a song I really didn't like when I first heard it which is uh, a Garcia Hunter song, Mississippi Have Step Uptown, Toodaloo, um, which I really, like I said, I really did like when I first heard it, but I found it to be quite, I guess the word is enjoyable by the time of the fourth listen. And trust me, listening to a Grateful Dead record four times in a week, I should get some sort of freaking award. It should uh, qualify you for a mental health hazard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like one of those frontline workers of the pandemic. Um, I, I did. It's, I, it's not a great do. song, but it's 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 fun. Mm -hmm. I, I I did I did like it by the like the third or fourth listen. Uh, 
<laughs> I, was a, I was a half like on that one. Did you have a half like? Yeah. 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 You know, maybe that's more like the way I am. I kind of liked it, kind of didn't like it, kind of meant nothing and kind of, but it was kind of <laughs> jovial. It didn't insult me like the next song did. It didn't insult me. Oh, and our next song, Let Me Sing Your Blues Away, written by new guy Keith Godshaw, who sang on the song The Keyboard Player. And trust me, Keith Godshaw even sings worse than Rob Weir and Jerry Garcia, if that's possible. And the song is terrible. Maybe the worst Grateful Dead song that I personally have heard. It just, just horrendous. Tries to be jovial, just like the first song. And it's but just, with that you know, feel, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't work in any sort of way. Like, it's a terrible song. And I don't even know why, like, Jerry Garcia said, that's okay. Maybe it was just like, the new guy's got a new song. Let's put it on the record. I think it's because they were really high. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, man. I love it. And then afterwards, what was I thinking? Is that is that kind of when you listen to the song? What, what did you think? That one didn't grab me, and uh, the, then by about the third listen, I realized it. Uh, I I didn't like it. It's a terrible song. I'm sorry. It, it, in in no way is this a good song. <laughs> <laughs> it's not one I want to listen to again. Uh, if Road I'm playing Jimmy, the album again, I'll tolerate it. But uh, Road Jimmy is an interesting song. Uh, again, I didn't like it. I and liked Road Jimmy. That was did you really? You know, uh, no. I, I kind of thought you would. I really did. That and, one and, and a lot of blue. a lot of. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of <laughs> a lot of uh, deadheads seem to like Road Jimmy, and um, it makes more sense because Road Jimmy. If you look at Road Jimmy in the sense that it's it's actually the first part of this of the of a two part song with Here Comes Sunshine. It's about the flood. I didn't understand it at all the first time I heard it. It didn't make any <laughs> sense, Road Jimmy. And then when when they kind of explained it, a lot of Grateful Dead songs you have to look up on the internet to find out what the fuck they're about because it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was probably my biggest complaint uh, with the album mm -hmm. is that uh, I found myself drifting in and out uh, when the lyrics were being sung because uh, the tempo was slow and there's so much space between the lines being sung. Yeah. So I listened and I could not. Uh, get a whole lot of grasp on what any of the songs were about. I thought about looking up the lyrics, and I said, uh, you know, uh, it's... To be perfectly honest with work. you, Rob, if you don't have the lyrics, I don't know how you make out most of the words, because the, the, the <laughs> vocals are so weak. Yes, they do drop out in points where you can't understand what he's saying. Exactly. That's why, that's the, the very edge of whispering thing. Yes, uh, that's <laughs> what I, yes, that's what I was getting to, is what, what you said about whispering. So I was not is, able... It's so true about uh, the mostly up-tempo songs that... And you're trying to listen to it, and you're going, oh, man, that sounds like a good line, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> I don't know what he's saying. He sings it with conviction. I can tell that much. Luckily, actually, I did like, like the first time I <clears throat> first time I listened to it, I didn't have the lyrics with me, and I didn't enjoy it at all. I was going to, I was going to give it a really low rating. And then I had the, I brought the lyrics out from the internet on the second and every listen after that. And I enjoyed the album more when i listen to it just to know what what was what going the on. song's about yeah. see that's the thing that kind of detracted a bit i liked a whole bunch of other stuff about the album actually wrote jimmy was not a bad it's i i consider it uh almost a good song and i know you you probably consider it more than that but um i don't know it's seven minutes long and it's uh there are some really nice parts about it i like i i do like the chorus when everybody's singing and and yeah. Jerry sings the chorus very nicely, you know, and uh, 
But the real highlight on side one for me is just the killer song Stella Blue, which I just I was love. the other one I liked on this side. Just love this song. It's the kind of song I would love to do. You know, it's a kind of Grateful Dead song I really like. They do a, they do quite a bit of these slow ballads yeah. about one an album, especially from 1973 on or 1971 on. And um, I really like, and Jerry, this is what his voice was meant for. This is exactly where you put, like, if, if they had a singer like a Keith Richards, right, who gets two songs an album or one song an album, the two songs that Jerry would get to be pick if 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 they actually had a good singer would be a song really like this. Stand out a lot more. Yes, he would stand <laughs> instead of going, oh, he sings weak on this, but oh, Stella Blue, he sings fantastic. He's got a very emotional, even though it's a weak type of vulnerable. That's the word I'm looking for. His voice is vulnerable, which gets to you on a song like Stella Blue, where where on other songs it can sound weak. But this, it's a weak, but a vulnerable week. And you, it, it, there's an emotionalism about it. And uh, yeah, you know, there's so many things I could recommend for the dead to do. It's funny that you would recommend <laughs> how to help a band that's one of the biggest bands <laughs> that's ever been in music. Listen, guys, <laughs> you know what you're doing. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help you out. And, and I wish Rob would have seen the lyrics because the lyrics are just as good as the you know, are just as good as I songs. ran out of time. I keep thinking of it and I just run out of time. So I'm basically giving it kind of a radio type listen. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. At least you get the feel of it and everything. Very, anyways, an outstanding song. Uh, I actually like, we go to side two. We flip it You're over. But first around. of all, we got to have a beer because the vinyl. <laughs> we need a break. I got we... the little felt thing going. I'm cleaning the lint off. I'm cleaning the lint off. But then I got to have a brewski. I got to make a phone call because I got to kind of. You kind of got to get ready because if you jump right into it, it could be too much. Yeah, yeah, it's like uh, it's happening again. I thought uh, just finished. <laughs> so I actually liked "Here Comes Sunshine." It was, you know what? It was really interesting, and it, it's it's very ungrateful. Deadline. That one was it, a little spacey. It was spacey. It was psychedelic. It was very much like the Beatles magical mystery tour album, a song off it. It could have easily been on that album. It reminded I really me liked of, it because um, it was interesting. It was quirky. I think it was Abbey road. Here comes the sun. Yeah. yeah. King, this, that's but it. this, this had more of a hippie, you know, his George yep. Harrison's, cause that's what I thought of too. The, this song is in the same vein, but this is a lot more. Oh, the flowers are blooming, man. Like that type of thing. And, oh, God it's is shining. There's wonder on our nature. And where George Harrison is mostly singing, I'm glad that that stinking winter's over. <laughs> no, I see. Uh, uh, pretty sure it was a John Lennon song um, inside, too. Oh, you're talking about Sun King? Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, Sun, Sun King. King. Yeah, that's... Comes a, sorry, I'm thinking of the wrong song. Yeah. But yeah, actually, yes, Here Comes Sunshine. It's very much like Here Comes Sun King. Very much. Yeah, like, it, it, has it, it the reminded me of it. But very, I actually liked it. It was quirky. It was a very different Grateful Dead song. I'm not saying it was great. I'm just saying it was a good song. And um, Eyes of the World. I said the one of the only songs on the <laughs> album with a bit of jump to it. Oh, you liked it. I fucking hated it. <laughs> a bit of tempo. <laughs> and yes, it's very, it's very uh, jumpy. It's what very makes it stand jazzy. Out. It's very funky. And I hate it. I, I thought the vocals were weak. I thought everybody didn't know what they were doing when they were singing it. Um, I didn't like it. I'm sorry. I just <laughs> thought it was. I just thought it was just oh weak. 
I'll be nice and just say I thought it was weak, but I can, it is jumpy. I can't take that away from you, Rob. Yeah, yeah, jumpy. Tempo. Weather Report Suite, uh, which is Bob Weir's only contribution to the album, but it's long because it's a 12-minute song and it has three parts to it. I I love the the prelude. I love the guitar intro by Bob Weir. I just it's just really good. And um part 1 is actually one of the highlights. It's right up there. This part 1 of of the uh Weather Report Suite along with Stella Blue to me are the highlights of the record. It's just very cool. I can't really describe it. It's just I cool. I this was a good uh, the second side. It was a good ending to the other uh, side. It was like this is this is the song that should be ending the album. Yeah, I disagree <clears> with you because <throat> halfway th- yes, halfway through this song yes, but then they went into part two, the Let It Grow section, where it changed into a Mexican type thing, and there it, were horns there, yeah, and there were horns, and then they were talking like again with that hippy dippy shit about oh just let Mother Earth let it grow and we have all our seasons and. It just to me. Don't it, worry, it, be happy. It yeah, it lost the spunk, uh, and it just lost the way for me. I thought I thought the first six minutes were just incredible of this song. I really did, and I thought just like you did. I thought this is a great way to end the album, especially when you talk about weather and rebirth with the seasons. And I thought a great way to end the album. And then it went into part three, which is a total departure from the first two parts. And to me, it just didn't work. I just didn't. And it's the one part that they only play in concert, or they did before they Jerry died. That was the only, usually the only part they played was the third part. And I was going like, really? That's the part you want to play? <laughs> and um, no, I had I have mixed feelings about almost every song except Stella Blue. Really, I had uh, Stella Blue was was a masterpiece of a song as far as I was concerned, and everything else, some of them were good, some of them were really bad, but I always had reservations about almost everything. Uh, One more thing I want to point out before I give this to Rob for his final thoughts is that we're not supposed to do this, but on my final listen, there are the bonus tracks on the re-release on the CD. And I was really interested after listening to this for a week, what the bonus tracks were. And there's there's a, an acoustic demo by Bob Weir of the Weather Report Suite for 12 minutes, and it's amazing. <laughs> he plays the whole song on the acoustic guitar almost flawlessly, and it is just, it, it, if you're going to get a version of the album, I actually say don't actually get the record album for once. Buy the CD version because the Weather Report Suite as an acoustic demo by Bob Weir is pretty stunning. It's it's just like I went, wow. I know Rob probably hasn't heard it because we're not supposed to listen to that. No, I skipped the uh, the remaster and went to yeah. if I got Rob the did the right thing. Original, I, I did I not. I broke the rules on this one. Ah, it was your curiosity led you to do it. And the one other thing I noticed about the Damn bonus tracks, which was made me laugh, was that they have a live version of Eyes of the World which is, of course, 17 minutes long. Really? Yeah. How can you explain that one in 17 minutes? It's even edited. <laughs> <laughs> and I, that had to make me laugh. Wow. It's like, wow, you edited it from, like, what, 45 minutes to 17? Oh, I spent years <laughs> dreaming of being in a band that had freedom to do stuff like that. <laughs> 
Oh, the, oh. the freedom to put me to sleep like that. Oh. I want to play for that long. So uh, I just wanted to put that. It doesn't mean anything as far as the review of the album is concerned. But uh, usually bonus tracks are not very good, or, and they're just put on there for space reasons. But um, I really like the. Uh, I just, I just, just as a, an addendum, the bonus tracks were actually really good. <laughs> and were they uh, live? No, like I said, Weather Report Suite was um, oh, a studio demo. Yeah. Was a studio demo of twelve minutes long, just just while we were on the guitar, and it was. You should listen to it, Rob. Seriously. Yeah, right, but the other two. And uh, and then there was also uh, a song that they recorded for. <clears throat> I'm going to want too too long on this, but they did a song that would be on their next album. They recorded actually, for Wake of the Flood called China Doll, which is a lot like. It's a short version, shorter type version of Stella Blue in that in that mold, and it's a really great song. So the bonus tracks really were good for me. I really liked them. Um, but that has nothing to do with what we're supposed to do. And I shouldn't break the rules. I really, and if I do, I should keep my mouth shut, not put it on the air, but I had to, because it was, it was such a good version. No, of if Weather you Report discover Suite. something that, uh, I discovered yeah, a like... really great version of Weather Report Suite that I want people to listen to. And that's the only reason I brought it up. Um, yeah, I, um, I was going to give this album, uh, a very hesitant two and a half when, uh, on my first couple listens, but I'm going to be generous and I'm going to give it three because there's enough good stuff. There's enough two and one half star Grateful Dead records that I give that <laughs> this is better than those. So I should be nice and give it three stars. I give it three stars, lots of faults on this record. And oh, oh, the one thing I wanted to mention about the drums, I got to mention this or else I wouldn't sleep tonight, is that you got Bill Kreutzmann on drums who's a very good drummer, maybe not a great drummer, but a very good drummer. And they they make him sound like he's pounding on a bag of cement, wet cement. <laughs> not only do they make him sound like he's bag, uh, hitting a bag of wet cement, but they mix it so it sounds like he's hitting a bag of wet cement about three doors down. <laughs> <laughs> so you have no conception of if there's even drums on this record, which I think is stupid. Uh, I have a problem light. with the mixing of this record. Yeah, that. the drums were very light. Drums were very light, and that's a big problem for me, as Rob knows. I love drums on record where they're supposed to be, and I think the Grateful Dead would be much better suited you know with drums I, up front. You know, what I didn't hear all that well, and I was listening for it, was Phil Lush. I didn't hear the bass all that much. There was also, also <laughs> one of my other complaints with the vocals, the mix, the drums, is Phil Lush's bass. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. I really did want to say that. Is Phil Lesh's bass, who is an amazing bass player. I want to like listen to the lines almost, and hear what he's playing. I can't make out the lines because they're not, I can't hear them. They're almost not there. They really aren't. There has Both to be the a drums, drop. Once the uh, the other instruments uh, hit like a whole note, you might hear them do a line in there. But... Why is the rhythm section almost not there? It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I really, it was ridiculous to have such a great rhythm section and then to just bury them and i mean bury them six feet underground that's ridiculous so there are many complaints i have about this record but you know what it's still a good record not a great record but it's a good rep for the grateful dead it's a good record people probably think i'd never say that <laughs> but it's true i liked listening to it um uh, i gave it i think three listens and uh the first time like i say it was kind of 
I had to stop halfway through the, the album and say, uh, I'm not ready for more. I got to do more later. <laughs> That's a lot. I, I do that a lot with the Grateful Dead. I, I, I can't take anymore. I've got to, I've got to, I got to need a little break here, man. But that was about the only time. And you're not going to like this line that I wrote down. Love Jerry Garcia's voice. <laughs> I really like his voice. Really? Like on everything? Seriously? Yeah. I'm not criticizing it. I'm just I'm just interested in your point of view. I never criticize somebody else's. Yeah, uh, I don't know why it draws me to listen like it does, but uh, You know it what? Does. A lot of people you're not the only one. So a lot of there's um when I mean a lot I mean millions of people who agree with you and disagree with me. And I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying from my point of view, yeah. I think he's a weak singer. And I definitely know Bob Weir's a weak singer to me. But you know what? When Jerry Garcia gets to me, like on Stella yeah. Blue, he gets to me like almost no other singer can. I will say that much, okay? And there's a lot of songs he's he does. He's got a voice for a thing, but I, I like them on pretty much all the stuff he was singing. Wow, that's that's there's nothing wrong with saying that. I don't even <laughs> get mad. You think I get mad at you saying that? That's your opinion. And no, I I'm going to say, what? Are you mental? I know you like <laughs> me to say that, but I can't because if that's what you hear, then that's great. I'm not disagreeing with it at all. I, I, I just disagree that my point of view is different. That's all. Um, there are millions I of people wish, who back you up. I wish I could have heard more of what he was singing. And I think that's both a combination of the mix and his style. Yeah, I agree. The mix and the style together, yes. But I definitely like the guitar. And, uh, the, the, you know, I heard all the background voices and uh, the other instruments, the backing, like the saxophone and the, the horns. I heard them clearly, but... Uh, yeah, that's a funny thing about the Grateful Dead sound because it's on previous albums and previous recordings. I've been trying to like uh, you know pick out the the bass line or that and couldn't do it. Some albums are really have 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 great Phil Lesh mix on it. American Beauty has some great Phil Lesh um, bass parts on it that they actually mixed up front. And some of the albums they mix, they decided to like this one bury him like he's not even there i don't uh, understand it like uh, do they got uh, different guys working for him every time and uh, how are they finding these guys picking names out of a bear i don't know oh one thing which i always criticized the especially the the post pig pen years 1973 on do the have these guys ever heard of distortion <laughs> <laughs> because i really feel like jerry's guitar lines would really hit me so much harder if if they and Bob Weir's rhythm yeah. guitar, if if they weren't so clean, it's clean electric guitar. And but again, short a notes. lot of people love it clean like that. I'm just stating my personal preference. I like that. I did like the guitar playing. I definitely uh, they, they were playing stuff that uh, my ears enjoyed. You know what? I like Jerry. Gray. Like he's one of the top rated guitar players of all time. I really when I, I have heard him play with distortion. And it just blows me away. But when he doesn't, it doesn't. It doesn't blow me away. I don't know why. It, it sounds weak. It sounds limp to me. The music, it just sounds totally... Like, I'm talking live. Like, whatever okay. you do in the studio, whatever. But they're a live band and always have been. And when I see them live, especially post-73, when I see the stuff pre-73, I'm usually knocked out because they do use distortion. They were a much tougher, rougher band. They're still closer to the blues stuff. Yes. Yeah. And um, the kind of jazz thing and and uh, uh, mellow kind of sometimes yeah, I was, this I was, was going definitely to use the a line, mellow low tempo album. I was going to use the line which 
almost forgot but i didn't sometimes on this record it sounds like kenny g music with vocals <laughs> <laughs> and it does and i i know there are so many drawbacks that i i think i'm giving it but still for a grateful dead record it's three stars I, but to be honest with you i'm going to be on if this wasn't a grateful dead record if it was by a band that i never heard of i might give this two stars but because <laughs> yeah. because i have such low expectations for the dead uh three stars is uh is seriously i might give this two stars for almost anybody who released this but i give the grateful dead three stars just because of my expectations for it i gave it three and a half and uh big part of the reason is because i i enjoyed listening to it every time nothing wrong with that yeah. if you enjoy listening to it it's a record that you should like what, what do they have? My question remains, what have they got against distortion? <laughs> <laughs> See, I always have these little, with the Grateful Dead, I always have these nitpicking things, again, about one of the most successful bands in the history of music. <laughs> it's like, why don't they get singers? Oh, why don't they put the bass and drums up higher? Why don't why why don't they have more distortion? And it's like, you know, my... they're, 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 they're what they're doing doesn't seem to bother millions of people. <laughs> no, why do they resonate so solidly with a certain core of people and uh, other people, you know, love or hate? Yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand why I dislike them so much. I really don't. And I, I can't tell you why. I give you little pieces of why, yeah. but I can't tell you on a whole why I really dislike them when I see them live. And I can't tell you either why people live and die with them when they see them live and watch every concert that they do. The yin and yang of this will always be a mystery to me <laughs> until I die. This is a weird one. Yeah, it will always be a mystery to me. But this was an interesting show. I have to tell you that. I much. don't know if any <laughs> any uh, person who's actually interested in music who uh, has has a middle ground point of view. Oh, they're okay. I've never heard anybody <laughs> say that. I've either I've either heard people say I can't stand them like the plague, or man, I got every concert on tape. You know, <laughs> it's either or. And um, just want to say, okay, so weird quality, <laughs> very interesting. You know, we weren't going to shy away from the Grateful Dead. In fact, we've got I've got solo albums by the Grateful Dead that I want to do because there's so many albums released in the '70s and offshoots of the Grateful Dead. We're not ignoring the great. We don't ignore anything on this show, and we're probably going to do one or two more Grateful Dead albums to show their diversity in the decade because they are one of the biggest bands in rock history, and the '70s was a big time for them. So in no way was I never going to do a Grateful Dead record. In fact, we're going to do a lot more Grateful Dead related records than I would want to do, <laughs> but because that's what we do here, which we we, rep we represent every type of music whether we like it or not that our job is is not in the picking process to be critical it's only in the reviewing process if we want to be critical i kind of like it because i get to hear stuff that i've only ever heard of <laughs> exactly that's that's the point uh and you shouldn't hate something by one song you hear on the radio or two songs no you or get conversely uh love something that you hear without hearing all of it uh thank you rob it's right you're right <laughs> Uh, that's our show. 
for today. Next week, I, I shouldn't have said it like that. That's it's our show. That's our show for this week. So screw you. Uh, <laughs> no. So uh, next week we won't be on the air with a new episode as you listeners are taking the week off. Ah, we want to. We want to, but since I got sick during the Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes week, uh, we have to make up that. So we'll be working taping a show in the next four weeks before we get a week off. Do you understand? Does everybody understand that you there won't be a show next week? You get the guys get the week off. Our, our lovely our listeners, lovely listeners. But we are going to plow ahead to catch up. We have to catch up because oh, I got sick and we can't get sick. Do you remember um, when we were doing the shows like uh, you know a half a year uh, before we aired them and uh, realized uh, some of the things we talk about uh, just weren't topical yeah, anymore? Especially when we did that show for '92 and I was just all Kurt Cobain this and Kurt Cobain that. Yeah. Boy, did we did we actually talk like that? <laughs> Man, and you'd come in with uh, all your I kept uh, calling everyone clothes. I kept calling everyone crypto fascist. <laughs> yes. You know, we've been on the air 40 years now, and it's... Uh, <laughs> Ooh, what a long, strange trip it's, it's been. It is strange. <laughs> so, um, all you need to know is we'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Fun, Hilarity, and Nudity. Nudity. Unfortunately, it's Roth. <laughs> so, until then, everybody, take care. Just later on.